Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on The Chuck and Julie Show. Well, welcome, everybody. Chuck and Julie show. We're going to dispense with our usual introductions. Got such a jam-packed show uh, that we're, we're, we've, we've got Mark Poff later on. We've got an international or national uh, one from Real Clear Investigations. Uh, but there's an incredible story. You may have seen it on Channel 7 last night, um, where Jason Pratt, who's a gun dealer, has a federally uh, federal firearms license, a legal business, been in, in Greenwood Village for the last five years, and now they want to try to, uh, one woman, uh, kind of an older Karen, who thinks that she should run everything, wants to close him down. Um, so I, we wanted to get uh, Jason on uh, right now. Real quick, off the top, yeah. Off the top. Because it's we, a city council meeting. City council meeting tonight. So any of you that are, that are Second Amendment people, you need to show up, if at all possible, at Greenwood Village. Uh, city council meeting tonight and support Jason. Is it tonight or so? We've got Jason on the line. So, yeah. hey, Jason. Hi there. How are you doing, Julie? Good, good. So, why don't you give us first, first the particulars on the meeting? Because is it tonight or when? when is the meeting and where? Yeah, so the, the meeting t- is tonight at uh, 7 p.m. at uh, Greenwood Village uh, City Hall. Uh, Jason or co located with the uh, Greenwood Village City Police. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what the What's there? I've asked my uh, city council people to send me an agenda. It only shows uh, about 15 minutes for public comments, and then they have other matters. Uh, but again, according to Channel 7 News, they said that they were going to bring their petition uh, to the city council. Uh, I don't know what uh, the format or intent is, but it's not on their agenda for this evening. Uh, nonetheless, I will be there. Uh, I will see if I have an opportunity to uh, take one of the three-minute spots to speak uh, they're allowing 15 minutes for public comments. Uh, three well, that's they're overdoing it. Uh, yes, well, let me, so Jason, just to clarify, so this is a business that you run out of your home, you have for five years, and this is legal. There's no question that this is absolutely legal, right? Oh, absolutely. I've uh, w- When I started the business, uh, I started in California, and I, it took over a year to comply with all the laws in California. Uh, so when I moved to Colorado, it seemed quite easy, uh, although draconian compared to other states, but nonetheless, uh, I researched the HOA rules. I researched Greenwood Village city uh, laws, Colorado state laws, and the, the, the federal ATF laws. And then I had an ATF agent come and verify that I was complying with all those laws and provided letters uh, and other material to prove that. And then he uh, inspected my business and uh, uh, how I was uh, exercising the uh, appropriate uh, firearms licensee rules and requirements. And how many, just so folks have a sense, um, how many people would you say you have visit because this is out of your home would you have visit your home in a given time period like in a week or a month or something yeah so when my uh neighbors found out that i first had the business they were concerned i was going to be driving tons of traffic here little did they know it had been in operation for i think over a year at that point uh and they didn't even know about it until they saw it on google maps i might have in a month I might have three people, maybe four. And then when I have classes, I'll have six people show up uh, on a Saturday uh, to conduct a class. They park in my driveway. 
uh, we conduct a class, and then we go to uh, a, a local range. So this is not something that is, in, is taking up neighborhood parking spaces. It's not something that's flooding the neighborhood with cars driving back and forth, endangering children or things like that. Like you said, they weren't even aware of it. And, and now, I mean, what's you, what, what is your gut sense on what they're trying to do and why they're trying to do it here? Uh, well, they've been trying to just shut me down simply because it is a gun-related business. There are other businesses operated out of homes here that probably drive more traffic. In fact, when yeah. a house goes on sale here, it drives more traffic than my business ever has. Uh, so they are just simply anti-gun individuals that uh, want to, uh, you know, infringe on my rights. They want to uh, in- compel their views on others, and you must comply in this cancel culture today. This and- Channel 7 story mentioned the new law by the, that was signed by the governor that maybe they can use an excuse to try to close you down. Yeah, they'll try to do that. It, it was uh, the, the news was incorrect in what they, they stated last night. Um, but the, the Colorado Constitution and the Colorado Revised Statutes both have what are called express preemption, which means those documents expressly state that no lower jurisdiction in the state of Colorado can countermand uh, the statements of the Constitution and the Colorado Revised Statutes, with one exception, that's Denver, because it was uh, incorporated before the Constitution was signed, um, so they have a few uh, a few outliers there. But otherwise, uh, it's it's unconstitutional. And Boulder enacted such a law, and ten days later, a court case uh, came and struck it down. So I don't think there's going to be any success there uh, because the Constitution was not amended. The governor uh, does not have the authority or the right to uh, change the Constitution. That has to be done properly, and it was not. Uh, do, you, do you have an attorney who's going to go with you? Uh, I am seeking an attorney actually now. I, I do have one uh, that may uh, may attend with me to get a check on their availability. Okay. okay. And you know what? And maybe we can text you later. I, I don't, he's not free, but I know a guy who's a good gun rights attorney too. Well, listen, I, we would like to have you back on Wednesday to kind of update this because I don't yeah, think- Give you can... a little more time and, and really kind of go through everything and get a report on how it went uh, at, at tonight. The meeting, but yeah. But anybody who can possibly go to that meeting- um, and, uh, I imagine you're a distinctive looking guy. So, um, and often have jackets that have so a military background. So I'm sure they can quickly identify you well, to speak out uh, and support you. Yeah. Come by, say hi. And if you can't make it, just look up uh, Greenwood village city. Uh, they've got a phone number and the emails for the city council and you can email them and just, uh, show their, your support for me because they're bringing a petition with about 300 signatures. I'm sure I can get a lot more support than uh, 300 uh, just out of this broadcast right now. Exactly. All right, Jason, thank you so much. We'll get you back on Wednesday to update us. And in the meantime, good luck tonight. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for the time today and look forward to talking to you Wednesday. All, all right, right all right. Yeah, a, a ton of comments. So, so we wanted us to get him on real quick. We're going to have now, and, and TJ, if you want to go ahead and call Vince, um, sort of a crime-oriented or how to solve crime-oriented show. Um, the I mean, we've talked before about the massive surge in crime. We've been talking for years about the reasons why and saying here's why what we're seeing now is happening. It's been in the works forever. Um, so Vince Bielski with Real Clear Politics Investigations has a great story up about 
about what's going on in Denver schools. So it's not just our neighborhoods, guys. It's the schools. It's endangering our school children, these woke policies. And then Mark Poff, we all love, is coming up at 3.32 to talk about the city of Denver, ironically, had a meeting. They're so outraged and alarmed, not outraged, just alarmed at the rise in crime. The mayor's development buddies are saying, hey, you got to get a handle on this. Um, and and so coincidentally, what the mayor has decided to do is, oh, I know, maybe we should hire more police officers. That's crazy. And then also what he wants to do is maybe get some new bail bond reforms going up. So a lot to talk about there. But first, we'd like to welcome Vince Bilski um, has a great story up there on real career politics under the investigations area. Hey, Vince, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Welcome to the Chuck and Julie show. Happy to be here. So why don't you talk, you talk about, it's one of those things, like a lot of ideas, and, and I don't want to put politics words in your mouth, but I would say progressive ideas, woke ideas that like sound good in theory, but in practice just have some major problems. Why don't you wonder, why don't you explain sort of what the Denver model was for this, for this restorative justice, if I'm saying that correctly, and how it's working in Denver and other areas? Absolutely. So even before Denver began restorative practices, the United States embraced, the high schools across the country embraced a zero tolerance policy, really in the wake of all the the increase in school shootings. Communities were freaked out, as they should be. They thought the answer was essentially uh, harsh discipline, uh, no questions asked if kids misbehave in a serious way. Made sense at the time. They tried it. Uh, Like a lot of things in public schools, uh, things go too far. So the the program led to excesses. Elementary age kids being kicked out of school for playing with toy guns. So this is how this is how the United States makes policy often. So so now we've had a readjustment. So now we've gone the other way and we're saying, well, maybe the problem is suspensions. There's too many suspensions, too much arrest of, of high school kids for fighting and things like that. So now we have to ratchet that back and and talk about it in these restorative circles. Essentially, the idea is a lot of violence in schools is what I would call garden variety violence. Two kids okay. fight in the lunchroom over a bag of potato chips. There's no real deep harm in that, but and there may make there may be common sense for kids to talk about things about why are you fighting when you should be studying. Some of this stuff is just common sense, but but what we're seeing today is some schools are going too far in the opposite direction. They're removing police officers from their schools, and they're depending on this talk restorative. Talk, essentially, you talk about the incident, you try to come to some resolution so you don't do it again. It's kind of common sense, but the problem right. is some behavior in schools is, deserves a more aggressive treatment. So you have multiple offenders, kids that fight and fight and fight, and they never face severe consequences. So I think the pendulum is, has swung now to the idea that um, discipline is in itself the problem. The kids are victimized by the police. We need to pull the police out of schools, and we can solve our problems by simply talking about it. Again, I, my analysis of the situation is, you should, frankly, we should be doing both. We need, yeah. we need police officers in a lot of schools, but we really don't need to arrest kids when they fight over a bag of potato chips. Um, well, we you know, and they just make 
And anyways, so what, what we the pendulum has now swung the other way. In the last you know year, about thirty three school districts have removed their police officers from schools. That's and that's a, 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 a low estimate. And that, that's where things are trending today, at a point where violence in schools is increasing because right. of kids coming back to schools after, you know, a year and a half of lockdown. And they're, you know, they're, these are kids and they act right. out. And so, so, so that, that's, that's what I found. And it's a serious situation because violence in schools uh, keeps education from happening. It right. disrupts classrooms. It, it keeps teachers from teaching. So so yet again, in the United States, we need to find some balance. And the balance... Well, well it's a practical matter. I mean, I understand Tay Anderson, who is well-known to all our, our listeners and viewers, uh, was the one who demanded that the police officers be removed in Colorado schools, although... Denver schools. Denver schools, although... As a practical matter, I'm told he called on them more often when he was at North High as as some sort of uh, restorative one than anybody. Um, but now he's he's uh, at at it again, um, and it doesn't seem where schools can either do one or the other. I mean, we covered lots of cases where where somebody brought a a butter knife uh, in their lunch bag and and were suspended, um, and the schools seem to be good at at no discretion, just just yeah, the worst either thing. Either zero, either way. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, uh, you bring an AK forty seven to school, or you bring a butter knife for your sandwich, and it's the same treatment. Um, it's it's just amazing. But it seems like Denver once again is is uh, <laughs> leading the pack in 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 the bottom of the barrel. Well, you know, Denver. Um, it sounds like, you know, you're familiar with North High School, for example. Yes. And yeah. North High School is a school that I think does this practice better than some other schools, though it's obviously not, not a school without violence, not a school without problems. But if you want, um, we ask a lot of our teachers. Um, now we're asking them also to be peacemakers. We want them to be great educators. But now we're asking them to be peacemakers. And if you can't get your teachers on board and your administrators on board, do it to, it's really extra work to do the yeah. extra work to to help kids sort out their aggression, to figure out whether or not this case deserves the police or not. Um, and North High School is, is a school that probably does it better than most. That's yeah. what I found. The well, reports me- from students at North High School are that, you know, we we like the fact that after we screw up, you know, we can kind of apologize and go on because we just, you know, went off. We're 16 years old, full of hormones and full of, you know, brio, and all of a sudden things lead to a fight. And sometimes you always don't have to call the cops. But the problem is our schools really don't have the capabilities, by and large, to execute such a sophisticated plan very well. Right. We, we don't we're, we're still behind in math. We're behind in reading. Yeah. We're not yeah. we're, we're not Minor getting teacher. the basics down yet. And so I think schools that eject their police officers on racial grounds are just buying into a political line um, that really isn't isn't going to help the school. And I think the kids suffer when Let me ask you, in, in your report, 
what you did too, that was what I thought, and I'd like you to kind of go over this a little bit, is, you know, it wasn't just sort of theoretical. You had some actual statistics and evidence. Can you talk about, so like you said, in, in, in the Denver schools, I mean, or with this restorative justice, suspensions go down, but fights don't necessarily go down. Um, in Denver, you had some horrific statistics of what's going on in terms of violence, sex assaults, things like that in the schools, now that we don't have police officers in the schools. So can you kind of dazzle us with some numbers here a little bit? <laughs> Well, you, you just summarized it very well. Um, the, the intent of the policy was to reduce suspensions because black and Latino kids are suspended at three times the, the rate of white kids. That's a fact. No one disputes that. So the idea was, well, you know, it, do we really want our kids of color running around on the streets after suffering a 10-day suspension yeah. and maybe getting in trouble again? They're safer, they're less likely to get in trouble if they're in school. Okay, with you so far. And so they were able to reduce the suspensions, but the kids are still fighting as much as they always have in the aggregate for most of the schools. I think North High School has done a better job than others. And some of the schools in the Denver District don't don't believe in the philosophy and don't practice it. So there's there's also a split in the schools. Um, And I, I think what what Essentially, the problems that these kids have, they, they bring into the schools from their communities, and it's really difficult for teachers and principals to, <laughs> to you know, okay, think of some of the family situations, all right? Right. The, the kid has one parent, okay? They, 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 there's not a, lot of, lot of, not a lot of discipline in the home. They bring their bad habits and maybe some gang activity with them into the classroom. Now, do we expect a teacher who's trying to teach algebra to have the to also be able to shift gears all of a sudden and deal with some kind of you know strange behavior uh, or or disruptive behavior? What the teacher wants to do is say, you know, Johnny, go to the principal's office. I'm teaching math here. So what's right. happening is they really don't have the capability to help the kids deal with whatever underlying problems are causing their disruptive behavior. And I think having police in the schools, and people have to understand the role of a police officer in a school is actually is to be a negotiator and, a, and somebody that prevents um, violence from happening. The, the goal of a police officer is not to arrest. It's to right. make friendships and to to stop problems before they happen. Matter of fact, it's interesting. If you talk to police, they really like that job because they feel they're having right. an impact in the well, community. Um, and I, 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 can remember, I can remember my first day in, in, in prep school, um, some kid um, mouthed off to my Latin teacher who picked him up and threw him down the stairs and he broke some bones. <laughs> but, but there are not too many teachers who can do that effectively. So maybe it wasn't, and, and right. that's not allowed these days of defenestrating students. Um, but it's it it is a tough job, and it sounds like they're making it tougher. Well, by having that, well, and you know, and I mentioned this Vince. I was a TV reporter for almost like thirty years in Denver, and. I think with a lot of people, we all like to think that everybody's nice and we can just all talk things out, but there are bad people and that includes bad kids. I remember covering a story where there were three, they were like 14, they were eighth graders, right? And they stole their teacher's car, beat her to death with a rock, and then tried to lie about it, right? And I'm, so I'm sorry, there are some bad kids there. I mean, I've covered, you know, we've got kids committing sex assault in schools, not all kids. And it seems like the schools, like usually they've gone from, so it's 
like, if you beat your teacher to death with a rock, okay, that's one situation where maybe we should be able to call the cops, right? And on the other hand, if like you said, you're kind of fighting because some kid, you know, made fun of your sandwich or something, those are very different situations. And we need to give our schools and our police and our the, the school boards the ability to use a little bit of discretion rather than just zero tolerance here or 100% tolerance there, it seems to me. That's right. That's right. And, um, and I think what we're also seeing is some of these schools that have ejected the, the police officers are now bringing them back. Because, yeah. they mistake. because a lot of, it's unfortunate, but a lot of school policy in this country is set by school boards who don't understand what's going on inside of the schools. Um, what's very interesting about Denver is that, by and large, the, the principals, that had the police officers in their schools really liked having the police officers in their schools and told that to the board. And mm-hmm. as you, and you know, Tay Anderson and the rest of the board kind of ignored the frontline folks, the people that are actually getting the job done and decided right. there was a broader ideological battle to fight um, over, you know, uh, perceived racism. And, and there we have it. The cops leave. And, and, you know, the kids, I think, are, are going to pay the price for that. And because the police aren't there to arrest kids. The police are there to try to keep from arresting kids. And the schools recognize that, and that's why the schools like the, um, the presence. And education has become so politicized, we're, yeah. we're forgetting to talk to the teachers and the principals about what's working and what's not working, and that's a shame. Well, and, you know, and in Denver, I mean, the reality is that there are gangs, right? Criminal gang organizations. And again, as a reporter, I think one of the things that police officers could do is because we would hear on the scanners all the time and everyone would show up and try to cover it where there would be sort of the rumor that there was going to be a fight or a rumor that somebody, not students, actually, were going to show up and try to cause problems. And I think that's the kind of thing. I mean, so how do you do restorative justice there? Some of the perpetrators aren't even in school. And it seems to me that that's, again, the kind of thing where you get rid of all of the police officers, and then there, there's nobody there to kind of monitor things and to keep an eye on things and to help even, I would imagine, and maybe I'm wrong, but I would imagine that if somebody like, it's hard to prove, a, you know, a negative, but I would imagine that that certain disciplines and having school resource officers probably can prevent a lot of bad things from happening too. That's that's the idea. Um, what, what tends to happen is the, is the resource officers, they, they develop relationships. They have an office. They have food in their office. They say, right. come talk to me. And kids end up, kids like to talk. They, make, they, they build relationships. And then when something happens in the school or something's about to happen, the resource officer is given a tip. So-and-so I hear from the grapevine is bringing a gun to school tomorrow. Right. Just heard that. And right. uh, guns have been removed. Guns are constantly removed by uh, resource police. Um, excuse me, school resource officers based on tips that kids give them. So just think right. of that. Just, now that that you can't have a kind of better communication and culture where students are afraid. They go to the adults that they need to go to. The adults handle it appropriately. Nobody's hurt. That's what you want. And we've now broken that up, right? We're, we, we've taken that the system that was working and we've just eliminated it. And, um, you know, I think Denver will, will struggle through this 
and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, in Europe. Dem- 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 has got lots of problems these days. Well, and it that, seems to me Vince and that schools are just uh-huh. one of them. Unfortunately, the business community, who is supporting non-unionized uh, uh, candidates for boards, um, pulled out, and and now you have people like Tay Anderson and others who are very far left and very far progressive don't actually care about the kids they at could all. care less about the kids when they're not sexually harassing them um and that's the kind of school board you have in denver which is really pathetic right right yep i mean the, the school board really needs to listen to the people that work in the schools and um they're but they're they're ambitious politically ambitious people that are building their own resumes and yeah. um you know just the the way in which they they remove the police officers from the schools um in the, in the wake of the George Floyd murder um they basically piggybacked on the popular resentment at that moment and right. i mean and went after the school police officers the school police officers did not have anything to do with what happened <laughs> in tragedy in Minnesota but somehow right. The school police officers are paying the price for what happened in Minnesota. Uh, it's it's crazy, and um, but that's um, that's public education at the moment. Yeah, well, it seems to me that the, the really sad thing about all of this is the fact that you, a freelance investigative reporter, went to the trouble to uh, put all of this information together and to look at the research. You'd think that some education association would want to do this, too, um, which is, you know, since we've been trying this while well, and say, well, is this approach working? Let me ask you just a couple more questions. I mean, if if you did have a school board say, hey, Vince, you've put together all this research, what, what are, and I don't mean to put you on the spot if you don't want to answer the question this way, but what would you tell them in terms of, well, here's what I found. And here's, I don't know, maybe something to consider going forward as you guys look at, are these policies working or not working or what parts of them are working and what parts aren't? I I think the story would would lay it out for them that um, on the one hand, school resource officers are not the enemy. Um, And, but they're not also going to, to solve your crime problem. <clears throat> and your violence problem in schools, and you need to address that more directly. And and instituting, uh, you know, training sessions for teachers that want to do it, um, talking to kids uh, directly about violence. I mean, what's really interesting is I think that the basic system that we have in schools today, our kids act out. If 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 it's a violent act, uh, the school can just you know, kick them out, report them to the police and be done with it. The kid's going to come back in a week or two weeks, and they may just do the same thing again. So it is a good idea for schools to, to do what they can to address violence and fighting and speaking directly to the kids about it and to the staff about it. But that doesn't mean getting rid of discipline. That doesn't mean getting rid of the police. Um, it, it, it takes several approaches to... Uh, to re- and the best you're going to do is reduce the violence. You're yeah. not going to eliminate it. And But even if you reduce it, that's a big success, right? right? For all those classes that don't have a fight in them, for all those kids who are not afraid to go to school, um, that's, that's a win for those kids. Yeah. And so I, I think you have, I think there's a certain level that what I would tell the, 
the, the board is you have to be honest about your problems. You have yeah. a, a lot of schools have a violence problem. Let's put politics aside. This isn't right wing or left wing. This isn't pro cop or anti cop. This takes everyone's effort to, to well, solve this problem of kids. Well, one of the things you point out in your article out, way, is and, that. And, 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 Oh. Well, one of the things you point out in your article is that it's remained pretty steady that certain you know, ethnic groups uh, are more involved in violence and less involved in violence, that blacks and Hispanics tend to be up there, Asians tend to be last, and whites somewhere between the two. Um, but to just pretend that it's all racially motivated, yeah. that the suspensions are racially motivated, when the statistics have really remained the same for a long period of time, what do you, how do you speak to that? Where they say, well, you're suspending. You're a racist. You're a racist. You know, that's, that's, that's a real important point because essentially what we're doing is we're accusing our teachers of, of being either overtly racist or having, you know, biases that they, they don't even know of. And when they act, out against kids. And I really think that's an unfair indictment yeah. of the, the, the educational profession. You know, bias goes both ways. Um, it's just part of life. Um, I live in New York City, and we have a new mayor, an African-American former police officer, former police captain, very well respected. Just last week, it was reported that a couple of years ago, he was referring to the cracker white cop. Um, in in the NYPD. Um, So, you know, racial um, hostilities and biases go both ways. And that's not the the issue. As you point out, for for reasons that are complicated, Black and Latino kids have reported year in and year out over the course of decades that they fight often twice as much as white and Asian, particularly Asian kids, but much more than white kids as well. This doesn't make them bad kids. There are reasons for this. But what it does do is it suggests that the problem uh, that black and Latino kids are suspended more and arrested more is not directly the result of bias on the school system's part. It's because they're acting out more. And if you you begin with that truth, maybe you get to a better solution. Um, maybe these kids need more attention for particular reasons rather than blaming, you know, blaming the teachers. I mean, we're throwing resources at teachers trying to, we're we're taking limited resources that we have for public education on this issue and okay. And training teachers to act differently when maybe that money would be better spent on working with the kids and why they're so violent. When I grew up, the the Irish kids always fought more. (laughs) And, and, you know, you you could blame it on a lot of things, but anybody who was around growing up, those Irish kids like to fight in particular, Scotch Irish kids love to fight. Um, And so there, you're always going to have disparities, but the, to uh, shake up everything to racism is just well, sad. and then to just avoid things that work. And hey, Vince, that it's I really recommend everybody. It's a real clear politics, the under investigations, and it's a great column. What else? Anything else? I mean, where can people find you? Because we got to let you go now. Find you, read more of your articles, that kind of stuff. Um, real clear investigations uh, is my primary outlet for these types of stories. So um, I encourage all your listeners to to check out the not just my stories, but we have lots of great reporters doing work. All right. Like Especially your stories though. <laughs> Vince, thank you. Thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. Good job. That's just a great investigative piece. Thanks Vince. Appreciate it. And 
And thank you. Have a good night. All right. That's um, Vince. How do you spell his last name? E I E L S K I. Vince Bilski. Um, you know, yeah, it, it's it's just ridiculous that you know certain things. It is good to let the kids sit down and talk about it, like we've yeah, done the stories. You don't need to suspend a kid for that. On the other hand, though, there are some violent kids committing violent acts, and you need to be able to deal with that. And actually, this kind of really segues perfectly into our next guest, Mark Poff. Hey, Mark, I saw you join the Zoom waiting room. If you're there, go ahead and. Turn your camera on. Pop yourself up. I always like to see what, oh, okay, you've got a regular background today. Uh-oh. Mark, law enforcement expert. Everybody knows who Mark is on our shows. Does a great job filling in for us too when when um, we ask him to do that. Let me get, I mean, you've got a unique position, law enforcement, but you are also on a school board. Yeah. What do you, I mean, so you might, you're probably familiar with some of the stuff Vince was talking about. Just any quick reaction to that? Well, I'll tell you, as a school board member and as a school board president for a little while, I was definitely pro-law enforcement. And I really wanted um, to have the school resource officers in all of the schools, if possible. A lot of times, um, like he was saying, they would find out about stuff and talking with the kids and they would prevent a lot of crime. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of liberals don't want cops in the schools is because they'll find that if you take the cops out of the school, that crime will actually go down. And the reason it'll go down is because they don't report it. Yeah, no one's reporting it. Yeah. Well, you know, when a cop's there and a crime happens, they're kind of obligated to report that the crime happened. Of course, when law enforcement reports a crime, it's all tracked with national statistics. So you get the cops out of the schools and then, you know, you don't have no crime. You, you get Perfect to decide school. whether you want to report it or not. I am definitely pro having law enforcement, especially in the high schools yeah. where they can prevent a lot of stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Well, that then the reason well, I, asked, I, I always had a problem when they want to do it in, in, in elementary schools as a way of uh, preventing school shootings. And I was going, you're going to have a lot of bored people out there <laughs> and they, they're, they're, you know, you, you, you give anybody, but give a police officer lots of time on his hands and nothing to do. Candy crush. Yeah. No. And it, it will not be a <laughs> well, happy Well, they can spend result. time with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so a cops. lot of cops. You can actually find a lot of cops that would love to hang out at elementary schools because th- their view is, is that they can actually work with the, the kids in elementary school when yeah. they still wave at cops with all their fingers as opposed to high school. <laughs> and they lose a couple or a few. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it does help. But do you know how expensive, you know, to have a cop? It is. It's yeah. incredibly every expensive. school, it's about eighty to $90,000 a year to have a cop in every school. That's ridiculous. So it, it's yeah. an expensive proposition. Yeah. And, and, and at Lewis Palmer School District 38, you know, we paid the price. We, you know, we felt that it was that important. And then when the cops retire, you hire them as your head of security. Lifetime sinecure. Well, let me go. The reason I initially contacted you is I was la- two things caught my eye last week um, and late in the week. Number one, um, there was a story that came out where that showed that half of the homicides committed in Denver in recent months were committed by people, allegedly, who are already under some sort of court order supervision. They were out on probation. They were supposed to be being monitored by the courts. I know they'd been they'd been in jail for another crime or two or three or four and then released. And then in the meantime, Denver's mayor, alarmed about the massive skyrocketing crime in Denver, convened an emergency 
emergency safety council meeting and decided, among other things, to one, hire more cops, which I just quit doing. (laughs) And then number two, to make the judges to take a look at who they're letting out of prison, which just like three years or jail, which just like a few years ago was what the mayor was pushing. So just your sort of observations on the whole crazy situation, but dangerous situation. It, It is. It is very dangerous. And, you know, we've gone through this cycle. We always refer to this pendulum going back and forth um, with society, you know, this whole defund police stuff and getting rid of cops. Well, that was pretty effective because, you know, a lot of people like to think that cops are not intelligent people when there's actually the majority of them, vast majority or, or most of them have college education. So they can go do other things. And so a lot of them left. And so my challenge to the mayor is where do you plan on getting these cops from? Uh-huh. Because you've made the state of Colorado so anti-law enforcement. You you got rid of some of the, you know, we've we Chuck and I have had this conversation about absolute and qualified immunity. You know, I it, it's okay for cops to have limited, you know, qualified immunity. So if I'm trying to shoot at a bad guy and I miss and hit somebody else, that's kind of covered, which now I don't think it would be, but you've made this $25,000, you know, where you can sue an individual cop for 25 grand doesn't affect me too much or bother me too much. If they're really doing something that's wrong, they should have to pay for their actions. But if they're working under good faith and doing the right thing and something bad happens and they get sued, you know, they've created this environment where people don't want to become cops, even though they want to become a cop. Yeah. They sit there and say, well, I'm not going to subject my family. I remember when I first decided to go become a cop, my wife was like, you're crazy. Right. Why would you subject our family to something like that? And now I don't know that I could justify that conversation with my wife now with the additional liability. But yeah, obviously putting more boots on the ground is going to help. But the problem is if you're just going to let them constantly out, where, yeah. where's the motivation? Right. I mean, so the the bottom line is evil people, if you want to call them that, criminals outnumber cops. It's just that simple. And so you have to have a system to say, look, if we catch you, we're going to put you in jail. And if you get out of jail and, and you know, I'm sure you're going to want to have a conversation about these zero cash bonds. Right. right. You know, what, what I find interesting is, and I believe this is still true. No one has taken a um, excessive bail case to the Supreme Court. It's it's never made it. Chuck, you might know the answer to that because people typically don't argue excessive bail because one, it's not excessive. And two, by the time that you're arguing excessive bail, you're probably already sitting in prison and it's like, who cares at this point? So so they don't argue it. Well, they've never, like everything else, they've never figured out something where you know, the, a first-time person arrested and they just rot in jail or, you know, for example, you could... The January 6th guys. The January 6th guys. They're just sitting right. rotting in jail. They've been given no bail. They've been given nothing That's else. That's wrong. And, and it's just wrong. None of them are really threats to the community. If they are, they should be separately indicated. But they've just decided because they are the government and right. they can just impose whatever they want that none of these people will be allowed out in bail uh, for trespassing. I mean, it's obscene. obscene. That's the problem with the federal system versus a state system. Is a state system, and I kind of have a perspective on this, having been a detective for 10 years, I've obviously booked a few people into jail. 
And what you do is you look up, there's a thing that's called a standard bond schedule. Right. And each judicial district has a lead judge. They're the ones who decide how much it is. And I'm sure all the lead judges talk to each other and they come up with these standard bail amounts. But then when you deal with the feds, you know, that judge can sit down and just say, you know what? You're just rotten jail. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're just not going to give you bail. So right. if you want to talk about bail reform, yeah. I agree. Let's talk about the federal system where a judge can let people rot for trespassing. And then they can let others go basically at their own whim. And there is no, that I know of, any bond schedule or bail schedule on how much a standard bail is. Because if you think about it, the vast majority of the people who went into the Capitol on January 6th were trespassers. I I always love to hear how much damage was done to the Capitol. None. I mean, it wasn't much. And, no, and, and that was what FBI agents video, did. It. Well, 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 when they unlock the doors and, and wave you, you in, is that trespassing? <laughs> I mean, uh, well, but back to the, the local situation, I think, like you said, the bond schedule. So folks understand when you're arrested, there are certain things that the judges take into account when they decide what your bail is going to be. But what's more interesting to me these days is what they don't take into account. Yeah. They don't take into account the fact that you committed the most recent crime you're under arrest for while you're out on bond for committing other crimes or whether you're on or probation. Or you're here illegally and likely to flee and have fleed three other times. Right. I mean, they and, and that's a separate crime, just to let you know right. that when you're out on bond, if you commit a crime, you get hit with an extra charge, which is basically committing a crime while you're on bond. Right. And, you know, so, and, and this is the thing that I had to explain, you know, I, I actually at Christmas time went to Boulder, which is ah. just quite the experience. And, and recently I go back because my wife's family's from there. And we had the discussion about, you know, that bonds aren't fair because some people are rich and some people are poor. And, you know, my, my main problem is, and we had the conversation, I tried to explain it to him. My real issue is when you come in for the first time, if you have two people that are charged for the first time, one is poor and one is rich. Okay, there might be a little disparity there because they use a standard bond. But understand, so the rich person gets out within a few hours because they have resources. Then the poor person, if you want to say poor or mid, you know, whatever, they're going to spend the night in jail. The next day, they're going to get interviewed by someone from what we referred to as inmate, whatever, but they, 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 they do the PR bonds. Then they write down all their information. You have no previous history. You're going to get out on a PR bond unless you committed a murder. Unless, yeah. You know, I mean, like if they both commit, let's say F4s, you know, fourth, fourth degree um, felony, felony, which is probably the bonds, probably like five to 10 grand. You know, you're going to get out the next day. The guy's going to get issued a PR bond. You know, I don't really mind that much at all. Well, here's my point, Marcus, but I go back, let's take a step back and that's saying it's not like these are involuntary choices that people are making. (laughs) This is going to sound really harsh, but I'm like, hey, if you can't afford to bond out, maybe you should consider not committing the crime. Everyone is guilty. And we do want to ask you, you know, just ask poor John St. Augustine about how, how life is uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. What did John St. Augustine do, Julie? I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm, not, not I'm just saying, what, which brings me up because I've had people ask me, 
What? Give us an update on his oh, case. So, so we're, we're not even, we're going astray no, here. Well, real real okay. quick, John got totally screwed. Yeah. Um, the federal judge, after getting basically to the end, they were weeks away from a trial, just a few weeks. Right. And the judge said, you know what? I'm just going to throw it out. And, and he basically said, um, yeah, they did some stuff, uh, you know, that obviously they lied to a grand jury. They, they fabricated evidence. But you really can't say whether they did it on purpose or they were just incompetent cops. So, you know, it, it really was quite the shame because by default, you should really let a jury hear the case. You should let yes. all this stuff come out publicly and so people can make their own opinions on what happened. John had a tremendous case. Like I said, two CBI, well, one CBI agent straight up lied to a grand jury, fabricated evidence. And a judge says that's not a big deal. I, I really had a tough time with this. Well, well I, I, read, I read the opinion, and it's not really a federal judge. It's a magistrate judge. Oh, right, lower right. Level, lower level one. But it, but it seemed as if he was going to come to that opinion. He could have done it way sure. before uh, wasting everybody's money and time and everything else. And it just seemed like he figured out earlier that, okay, if I just dismiss everything, I could be overturned. So I'll just dismiss most of it. Leave something there which shows that I'm, you know, fair thing. And then when the time comes and wasted everybody's time, I'll find that well, they really are acting in a capacity that allowed them to have immunity. It was a disgraceful opinion, I thought. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, and and again, I am so opposed to absolute immunity for judges and for district attorneys. Like yeah. I've always said, there's only one person that ever walked this earth that had absolute <laughs> immunity. And and he's been gone for a little while, <laughs> uh, and and he didn't he didn't exactly get immunity. <laughs> he, got, yeah, exactly. he got crucified. <laughs> but when you have a district attorney, and some of this stuff can come out, um, I, hopefully in in the near future, you know that a district attorney said, you know what, we used John St. Augustine as a pawn. We used yeah. him as a pawn to get to Makita, so we locked him up in jail or charged him, not locked him up in jail, but charged him with a felony kidnapping of someone he never met. Hoping, and we told him, if you want this to go away, testify against Makita. Right. And he goes, well, it never happened. You want me to lie? And they're like, eh, I think you're missing the point. You, you know, we, we want to get to Makita and we want you to do it. So we're going to do this to get to you. Um, hey, we have, oh, you know what? This is Roy Johnson. We'll, we'll take a quick, we got a phone call. Oh, we only have a few more minutes, but hey, Roy, um, you're on with Chuck and Julie and Mark Poff. How are you doing? Yeah, doing good, Julie. How about you? We're good. We're good. I'm having fun watching you guys. Uh, all right. So what do you think? Back to what we were originally talking about, the whole, you know, the city of Denver is so dangerous now that all that ritzy condos and Union Station are, are like, they are, have lost like about $100,000 in value because of all the crime there. And the little millennials are complaining they can't walk to Whole Foods without getting assaulted by homeless people and drug dealers. So Denver is going to try to hire more cops and suggest that we keep people in jail on bond. I mean, what do you, and Mark is like, hey, haven't we heard that before? Um, what do you think of all that, Roy? Yeah, well, you guys are having a good conversation. I like Mark a lot. I agree with a lot of what he's saying. I just wanted to, you know, Chuck said something about Scotch Irish, and so I had to call you because that's oh, what I okay. <laughs> uh, Back in my day, when oh hell yeah, as much as possible. They 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 prize the Scotch Irish's bellicose attitudes, <laughs> uh, but uh, probably well deserved. 
So, okay, so what do you want to defend the, the Irish here real quick? Scotch well, Irish, you're really not. No, not I just want to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we never talk about the root cause anymore. We always are dealing with symptoms. And, uh, you know, when I, when I got in trouble at school, I got sent to the principal. He got out a paddle and he hit yeah. me on the butt and it hurt like <laughs> hell. And then they called my parents. And when I got home, I got it again. Yeah. And you know what? After a few of those, I learned. Yeah. <laughs> nope, I know. And it's... I was the problem, not the school, not the ab. We didn't know what police officer in a school those days. Forget about it. You know? And uh, I agree, though. Today we need them. I agree with that 100%. But uh, I think we got to get the unions out of the schools. The teachers got to have their own voice because I think most of the teachers would agree with us if they weren't so afraid of speaking out. And, uh, you know, and and I think go back to root causes and discipline. And, and, you know, if you if you if you get off a line, you get put back in line, you get disciplined and we don't have discipline anymore. Nope, I agree with you. Hey, thank you for calling in. I'm glad you're listening. It's good to hear from you. Oh, absolutely. You guys are great. Keep it up. All right. We'll talk to you again. You know, one of, one of the things Take that care. I used to say, oh, one of the things that I used to always say back when I was a cop, when they said, hey, you know, we should kind of feel sorry for some of these people that are committing the, these crimes and stuff. My response was, you know what? I can teach a dog not to crap in my house. Yeah. You, you know, I think we should be able to teach people to not commit crime because there needs to be punishment, you know, when these things kind of happen. Right. And, now, and that's, that's the problem. Yeah, we, that made a lot of sense. Hey, Mark, I don't mean to interrupt, but we got we got time for one more phone call again. So we got yeah. Johnny from Denver on Live Hype. Hey, Johnny, you're here with Chuck and yeah. Julie and Mark Poff. I think, okay, we just went down to the Union Station and shop at Whole Foods. Now they have like, these little police stations down there. And I think it's only a smoke screen because Polis wants to get elected. So he figures if he does it now, maybe they'll forget by November 3rd what it was for the last year and a half. There you ah, go. I there think you you're go. right, Johnny. Very it's like the All-Star game. You know, you yeah. clean everything up like like Germany in 1936. You know, get, get rid of all those uh, kill the Jew signs and all that for the Olympics and then go kill them afterward. <laughs> right, and, and it was a lot nicer. It, it was a lot nicer. But like I said, this should have been done May 25th. Yeah. All right, Johnny, thank Thanks, you Johnny. for the call. This comment Appreciate from Jacob too was like, hey, how about feeling bad for the victim? That's absolutely right. <laughs> and then Stephen points out, Jacob, the criminals are the victims here. Mm-hmm. The world is upside right. down. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this. You know, there was a shooting today up in Washington at, at a grocery store, and they don't know, you know, the motivation behind the shooting. You'll be able to tell as soon as you hear on the news, if they announce, you know, gun violence takes another life, well, then it's something they don't want to report on. You know, they don't yeah. like it's bad, you know, gun, vi- it's the gun, right, the right, right. Store, gun violence. But if it, if they say it was a white supremacist, then, ah, there you, you know, there you then you know, they're going to take another direction because that's the only two way people can get killed anymore. It's either a white supremacist or gun violence. Or gun right, violence. Right, there right, you go. Right. Or a red Jeep goes crazy. Or, or, too. or SUVs are known to drive themselves <laughs> right, right through parades while innocent bystander sits in driver's seat. There we go. Mark, we're out of time. You're great as always. So thank you so much. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. You bet. Have a great day. All right. All right. All thank right. you. Hey, thank you then to Jason, to Vince. Well, one more thing. I want to welcome, uh, if that's the right word, 
uh, Joe Rogan, if you'll sign up for uh, <laughs> Rumble. Radio. Uh, well, well, on Rumble, we're on Rumble. I think we're paid a little less than a hundred million, but only Julie knows that for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, they've invited him for a hundred hundred million dollars over four years to join Rumble, and I suggest he do it. You can join us there uh, because we love having being on Rumble. That's right. We were kicked off of YouTube year, well, months and months ago. And, and again, it's just we're on Rumble. We're on, we're on Substack. Substack now has video too. So you yeah, can also subscribe yeah. to us for free on Substack and on Rumble. Um, hey, thank you to Jason, to Vince, to Mark, and to TJ, who did a great job manning the phones there today. Sure it was a busy did. show. Thank you to everyone on Zoom. We love having and you go there. go support uh, Jason Pratt if you're near the Greenwood Village. Or call in, just go to... We'll have an update Wednesday. Yeah, update Wednesday. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later. Have a great day.